all the good songs and uh, um, glad to have those that are here, those that may be watching online or watching later. Uh, we're continuing our sermon series in the Gospel of John. This will be part number 10 of our sermon series. Um, I've titled the message this morning, The Calling of Nathaniel. The Calling of Nathaniel. We're going to be looking at uh, John chapter 1, verses 45 through 51, Lord willing. John chapter 1, verses 45 through 51. We'll go ahead and read our text. Here the Bible says, Philip findeth Nathanael, and saith unto him, We have found him, of whom Moses and the law and the prophets did write, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And Nathanael said unto him, Can there any good thing come out of Nazareth? Philip saith unto him, Come and see. Jesus saw Nathanael coming to him, and saith of him, Behold, an Israelite indeed, in whom is no guile. Nathanael saith unto him, Whence knowest thou me? Jesus answered and said unto him, Before that Philip called thee, when thou wast under the fig tree, I saw thee. Nathanael answered and said unto him, Rabbi, thou art the Son of God, thou art the King of Israel. Jesus answered and said unto him, Because I said unto thee, I saw thee under the fig tree, Believest thou? Thou shalt see greater things than these. And he saith unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Hereafter ye shall see heaven open, and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you so much for the reading of your word today. I'm praying that you'll help us as we try to expound upon this text, God, that you'll just uh, keep our thoughts, our heart, and our mind upon the on the scripture and upon you, and Lord, if you'll open up our hearts to be able to receive your word, and Lord, so that we can get the best understanding that we possibly can, and we'll be able to share it with this lost world. We thank you for everything you bless us with. Now, please help us this morning. We'll glorify you. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. Um, if the live stream fails, you know, I, don't, I can't do anything about it. Facebook's acting funny today. Um, it looks like it's black right now and, and doing that little thing right there, but it may be working. I don't know. Uh, we're just going to leave it alone and, uh, whatever shall be, shall be. We are recording this on, uh, for, with an MP3 recorder. So even if we lose the video, we'll have the audio, hopefully. <laughs> but anyway, uh, this morning with uh, the Lord's help, I must look at these verses and what this details the calling of Nathaniel as a disciple. Uh, in the list of disciples, he would be the sixth one that is called. And uh, we covered that verse 45 that we read last week, but we're still going to look at it this morning because of the context of, of which it's in. And so uh, we don't want anyone to be confused about what's taking place here. So let's go ahead and read that verse again, verse 45. The Bible says, Philip findeth Nathanael, and saith unto him, We have found him, of whom Moses in the law and the prophets did write, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. All right. So we know what happened occurred before this. We talked about it last time, the calling there of Philip, and how the Lord actually sought him out, and uh, uh, the Lord, you know, uh, introduced himself, and Philip, of course, immediately understood who he was. We believe the, all these men that's been called so far, uh, Peter, Andrew, James, John, um, Philip, and 
here in Nathaniel. We believe all these to be disciples of John the Baptist. Probably had all been there uh, in the wilderness to uh, witness the baptizings and hear the preaching of John. Uh, they were most likely students of his. So they had already prepared their hearts for the Messiah that was coming. Uh, you know, a lot of times we think about these disciples being unlearned men, uneducated and fishermen, blue-collar workers and such. These men were Bible students. These men knew the Scripture. As we see throughout all the texts talking about the disciples, they knew God's Word. Uh, all indicated except for Judas Iscariot as, as far as we can tell. Uh, but uh, here we see the, the first five disciples have been called Andrew, Peter, James, John, Philip. And while John doesn't provide an inclusive list of the, the disciples altogether, he doesn't say, and these are the twelve, and list them off. Instead, John speaks of them as they are called. Uh, but the other Gospels, the Synoptics and Book of Acts, all list uh, the disciples, and usually they're in the same order. There's a little variance between the Gospel of Mark and, and such, but I have gave you a handout there on your, your tables. And you'll find there the list, of how they're listed in the Synoptics and the Book of Acts. Uh, let's go down these lists. As you can see there, there's some differences. Every one of them starts out with Peter, Simon Peter. Uh, there I, I put down exactly what it's referring to in the text. Simon called Peter, it says, in Matthew, Simon surnamed Peter in Mark. Simon named Peter, Luke 6, and then in Acts 1, simply Peter. The book of Acts, really, except for three of the disciples, just gives their their first name, you know, Peter, James, John, Andrew, Philip, Thomas, Bartholomew, Matthew, and it says James, son of Alphaeus. That's to separate him from James, the son of Zebedee. Uh, and then Simon Zealots, uh, to separate him from possibly being confused with Simon Peter, and then Judas' brother James to, of course, separate him from Judas Iscariot. And so sometimes you'll see uh, surnames given uh, in, in place of their names or in addition to their names so that you do not confuse them with another person. But in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 10, verses 1 through 4, we have the list of them. Uh, if you want to look at it, you can, but this is simply telling us about the calling of the disciples and giving us the list of them. And I know this may seem tedious looking at these sections in the gospel, but what I want you to do is get an, uh, an understanding of why the Lord would put this in his word this many times, and why do we need to know this? I mean, why why not just give us one book that, that tells us who the disciples were, and, and that's it? Well, God's word is like that. It, it repeats things. It's so that we absorb it, so that we understand it and remember it. The more you see it, the more you'll remember it, and there in Matthew 10, 1 through 4, it says, And when he had called unto him his twelve disciples, he gave them power against unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal all manner of sickness and all manner of diseases. Now, before we read that list of names, did you see what the Lord did for his disciples? Now, these men are also referred to as apostles uh, after this, except Judas Iscariot. He's not an apostle. <laughs> uh, um Anyway, uh, there the Lord we see has gave them the gifts of power against unclean spirits. So they're able to cast out unclean spirits. Now we know they had a time where a man came to them asking them to cast out the, the demon out of his son and they were unable to do it. Uh, 
And the Lord ended up coming down and, and, and doing it. But he gave them this power. He gave them power to heal all manner of sickness and disease. So these men, even though the Bible doesn't speak a lot about all the things they did, because you know, the Bible tells us that uh, the world couldn't even contain uh, everything that's written or, or that occurred. So it may not list every single thing that, that the disciples did individually, like going around and, and participating in healing people and, and casting out devils and things. It did happen. So these men had that ability to do that because the Lord gave it to them. And then in verse 2 of Matthew 10, it says, that Now the names of the twelve apostles are these. Well, it says twelve apostles, and it does include Judas Iscariot. So uh, we can you know, say that uh, I guess he was. Uh, we do know an apostle is one who's been sent or... or uh, been sent, and so Judas was, but Judas betrayed him. So, uh, regardless, it says the name of the twelve disciples are these: the first Simon, who's called Peter, and Andrew his brother, James the son of Zebedee, and John his brother, Philip and Bartholomew, Thomas and Matthew the publican, James the son of Alphaeus and Labius, whose surname was Thaddeus, Simon the Canaanite, and Judas Iscariot, who also betrayed him. Now, you may be thinking, well, I didn't see Nathaniel mentioned. It's not mentioned there, right? Well, he's called Bartholomew in the book of Matthew. And I'm going to explain why that is here in just a moment. And so there, uh, the Gospel of Matthew lists these folks. And notice also when Judas is mentioned, it's always mentioned that he was the betrayer or the traitor. Every single Gospel calls him that. Mark chapter 3, we see the other list there. Mark 3 and 13 through 19. Mark 3, 13 through 19. It says, And he goeth up into a mountain, and calleth unto him whom he would. And they came unto him. And he ordained twelve, that they should be with him, and that he might send them forth to preach. There's the, the sending, you know. Um, he's sending them forth to preach. Verse 15, and to have power, here, here again is the power he gave them, to heal sickness, sicknesses and to cast out devils. And Simon, he surnamed Peter, and James the son of Zebedee, and John the brother of James, and he surnamed them Bonerges, which is the sons of thunder. And Andrew and Philip and Bartholomew and Matthew and Thomas and James the son of Alphaeus and Thaddeus and Simon the Canaanite and Judas Iscariot, which also betrayed him, and they went into a house. And so again, Nathaniel, the name is not there. It's, it's, it's here. It's Bar Bartholomew instead of uh, uh, Nathaniel. And now in Luke chapter 6, verses 12 through 16. Luke 6, 12 through 16. And, you know, Luke, being the physician, and he's always usually real detailed, more detailed than the other gospel writers. Uh, but his detail of them doesn't seem quite as, as, uh, as much as the other ones in this case. Luke 6, 12 through 16. And it came to pass in those days that he went out into a mountain to pray and continued all night in prayer to God. And when it was day, he called unto him his disciples. And of them he chose twelve, whom also he named apostles. Simon, who he also named Peter, and Andrew his brother, James and John, Philip and Bartholomew, Matthew and Thomas, James the son of Alphaeus, and Simon called Zealots, and Judas the brother of James, and Judas Iscariot, which also was the traitor. 
And so there the synoptic gospels all give us basically the same exact exact list. Uh, Mark's is, um, he places Andrew fourth in the list instead of second. Um, whereas Matthew and Luke uh, place Andrew in second. Even though in John, Andrew is the first one that actually is mentioned becoming a disciple. And then he went and got his brother Simon, whom the Lord uh, called Peter. Uh, so just the little differences in order. Uh, and, of course, the names, the, uh, the synoptics using Bartholomew instead of Nathaniel. Um, in the book of Acts, and we don't have to, to go there, but uh, you see in your chart that I gave you of the, of the list, uh, they're all listed there. And I did include uh, Matthias, who was elected, um, appointed as the one to fill in for Judas Iscariot after his suicide. All right, so... This morning, we're placing our sights on this sixth disciple, Nathaniel. Now, Nathaniel is listed in Barth, as Bartholomew in all four lists of the twelve. In the Gospel of John, he's always called Nathaniel. He's never called Bartholomew. Uh, Bartholomew is a Hebrew surname, and it means son of Ptolemy. Son of Ptolemy. Uh, and Nathaniel means God has given. That's the meaning of his name. So he's Nathaniel, son of Ptolemy, or Nathaniel bar Ptolemy. Bar means son of. And you'll find a lot of times in the Bible they call people bar something, like there's a bar Jesus. So, so he's the son of Jesus, of course not Jesus Christ. <laughs> but uh, if I had been one of these apostles, I could have been called Byron, son of James, or uh, Byron bar James. So you can call me that if you want to. There's no Hebrew name for Byron, by the way. Byron is an old English name, and it means the place of the cow sheds. And I don't know what the Hebrew rendering or Greek rendering would be for that. Uh, but regardless, uh, I am a Byron, son of James, or Byron Bar James. Uh, but getting back to Nathaniel, our opening text tell us that Philip went and found Nathaniel and told him that they had found him with whom Moses in the law and the prophets did write. I think we can safely assume that Philip and, and Nathaniel were close friends, probably best friends. They may have even worked together. Uh, they may possibly have been in the same fishing business along with Peter, James, and John, and Andrew. We know they all fished together. Uh, James and, and uh, John's dad, I believe, owned the fishing boat in business, and they worked there. And then, of course, Andrew and Peter as well. And they all lived there in the same area and fished together. I believe that Philip and Nathaniel probably were also fishermen and uh, hung out with those guys. But I believe, in the case of Philip and Nathaniel, they're always shown together. And uh, I believe they're, they're probably best friends. And not only that, they knew the scriptures. Now, I've already mentioned it. But they knew the scriptures because the first thing Philip does, he, he, he speaks to Nathaniel and he says, we have found him of whom uh, the, the Moses and the law and, and the prophets uh, you know, prophesied about. And so he knew that Nathaniel would immediately know who he was talking about. And apparently they've been studying this, sitting under the teaching and preaching of John the Baptist. He probably, you know, uh, we know definitely he was the forerunner to Christ. So he was preparing the way and telling everybody what to look for, the signs, and everything that they should be expecting. And so uh, these men, like I said, even though they were usually blue-collar, 
uh, all the disciples, really, blue-collar workers, except a few, Levi, Matthew was, uh, what, a tax collector. Uh, But most of them were just uh, regular men. Uh, We don't find any high education. In fact, when they were out preaching there in the book of Acts, we see that uh, they were astonished at them because they were unlearned. They were uneducated men. They couldn't understand how they were able to speak the way they were. But uh, just because of all that doesn't mean they're stupid. They knew the scripture. They understood the scripture. They studied it. And they knew it and they applied it to their lives and their hearts. And they were looking for this one who'd been promised, that God had promised this, the, the Messiah. So look now at verse 46, back in John chapter 1, verse 46. And Nathanael said unto him, Can there any good thing come out of Nazareth? Philip said unto him, Come and see. <laughs> all right. So here we learn something about Nathaniel. Uh, he's perhaps um, very cautious of just believing something right away. Um, but I believe that, uh, you know, he's one of those people that may look for the worse and everything instead of the good. Uh, I'm a lot like that. Somebody tells me something and some reason my mind wants to start finding all the the bad parts about it instead of rejoicing in the good and thinking, well, that's great. You know, I'm thinking, well, what about, you know, I don't, that's just the way my mind works. I feel like Nathaniel's like that. Uh, here, his friends come to him and said, we found the one, you know, and he's from Nazareth. And Nathaniel's like, whoa, wait a minute, Nazareth. Are you kidding me? Uh, so instead of saying, great, take me to him so that I can meet him. He says, can there any good thing come out of Nazareth? I mean, really? And there's probably a good reason that he's saying this. Now, I've researched a lot of things about the place of Nazareth there and the culture and the mindset of the people. And the Bible tells us that Philip was from Cana in Galilee. That's in John 21.2. It says, There were together Simon Peter and Thomas called Didymus and Nathaniel of Cana in Galilee and the sons of Zebedee and the two other of his disciples. That was when uh, Peter said, I'll go fishing. And they all said, well, we will too. Well, Nathaniel was one of those. He said, I'm going fishing too. And so that's one reason I believe that he was probably a fisherman along with him. But if you look at a map of Galilee, and I gave you one, that is uh, what they call the map of Palestine. You're not going to find the word Palestine in your Bible. (laughs) But uh, you'll see there uh, Galilee is right there toward the top. And if you notice... Nazareth is in in the area of Galilee there. It shows up. But Cana is just up above it. I mean, they're close neighbors. All from the same area. Except for Nathaniel hears that somebody's from Nazareth. And he says, what? Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Um, So it's kind of like those from Cana look down upon those from Nazareth. And there's a good reason. Nazareth was a rough old place with rough old people. It wasn't a place, it wasn't a, a, a holiday place to go to or a vacation spot where you go and hang out. You didn't make plans to go to Nazareth. The only reason you would go there is if you had to pass through it. And that's the only reason you'd go there. And so um, there was probably this rivalry between them uh, maybe the people in Cana look down upon those in Nazareth kind of like Farragut does to us. You know, um, here in, in 
you know, hillbilly land, those over in fair didn't think that they're, you know, the end all be all of everything. And so I can see them looking down, oh, look at those hillbillies from Corriton. They're not even worthy of my presence. And that's kind of the mindset I believe that Nathaniel had and the people from Cana upon those people from Nazareth. Uh, but for whatever reason, Nathaniel seems to be doubtful that anything good can come out of there. Maybe everybody he's met there has just been horrible. Maybe he's never met anybody good from there, never saw anything good happen out of there. Maybe every dog that ever came out of Nazareth was a bad dog. I don't know. But uh, he's, he's probably thinking, hmm, I thought according to the scripture... Uh, the prophet Micah, didn't he say that, that the, the Messiah was coming out of Bethlehem of He didn't say he's coming out of Nazareth. So maybe he's thinking that. Maybe he's thinking, well, you know, I'm, I'm real reluctant to believe that this man you're telling me about is the Messiah because if he's from Nazareth, that doesn't line up with Scripture. Again, if you look at your map of Israel there, you'll see there's also a Bethlehem in Galilee. You see it? Did I not include it on this one? <laughs> well, that's real smart of me. Uh, but there is. There's a, there's a Bethlehem in Galilee, and there's a Bethlehem in Judea. And that's why the prophet Micah separated it and actually pointed out this Bethlehem of Ephrata, which is where King David was born. And so that is down in Judea and Bethlehem there, not Bethlehem of Galilee. And so... Um, this could be another reason Nathaniel may have been doubtful about anything good coming out of Nazareth. Uh, Nazareth being a rough town, rough people, and uh, really it's not a place you want to be. Uh, and so what did Philip say the last part of the verse? Philip said to him, come and see. Philip don't stand there and try to argue with him or try to convince Nathaniel of anything. You know, a lot of people may have done that. They may say, oh, quit your, you know, worrying about it. I told you who he is. Just take my word for it. No, he says, come and see. In other words, come and find out for yourself. And that's what we all need to do. We need to come find out for ourselves. Don't take somebody else's word for everything. You know, <laughs> find out for yourself, especially when it comes to the word of God. There are so many people today that just listen to what other people say that God's word says and just believe it to be so. Not everybody's telling you that's telling you the truth. In fact, if you go on Facebook and look at Bible verses people post, you're going to find a lot of times that they've got the wrong re scripture reference on them. They don't know the scripture or nothing. They don't, they don't know anything. A lot of them are posting out of these, these, these funny Bibles, not a King James. They're posting out of these funny Bibles, and it don't even make sense. And I'm thinking, my goodness, why in the world would anybody even post that scripture? It don't make any sense. Uh, you know, if you're going to post something, post it out of the King James Bible. But anyway, um, here we see that, that Philip just tells him, come and see. And that's another invitation. You see that? Philip is, is, is found. He knows who, who Jesus is. Even though later on we know, right before he's betrayed, that uh, Philip is actually the one that says, show us the Father. It's a father. So, you know. um, but, uh, he tells him to come and see for yourself. Verse 47. Jesus saw Nathanael coming to him and said of him, Behold, an Israelite indeed in whom is no guile. You notice that explanation point there in your Bible, in King James. Uh, that word guile right there means deceitfulness. So this is a compliment. Jesus is giving a compliment. This is, there's a man coming right here who has no deceit. 
this is a good person. He calls him an Israelite indeed. Now, uh, remember who's called a deceitful person in the Bible. Remember Jacob? He deceived everybody he could. He deceived his brother and his dad and his his uh, his um, father-in-law. He deceived them all. And he was known as a deceiver. And so when the Lord is saying this, he's connecting that. Israelite, you know, that's come from Jacob. And he says, but this one has no guile. This one coming toward me, Nathaniel. And so uh, the Bible says in Psalms 32 too, blessed is the man unto whom the Lord imputeth not iniquity and in whose spirit there is no guile. And so the Lord's giving Nathaniel a wonderful compliment. You, you don't find anybody else in the Bible uh, that's said about it except the Lord Jesus. There was no guile in his mouth, the Bible says. And so Jesus recognizes Nathaniel as someone who's upright in truth. Uh, he's seeking. He's an Israelite. Uh, despite Nathaniel's first reaction of, you know, can anything good come out of this, he's still spiritually minded. He's still willing to come and see. And uh, so the Lord overlooks that and and sees, and Lord know, the Lord knows his heart. He knows his true heart. He knows him as he sees him coming. He already knows him. And uh, despite never physically meeting him, never speaking to him, and uh, you're going to see more is going to come out of that. Look at verse 48. Nathanael saith unto him, Whence knowest thou me? Jesus answered and said to him, Before that Philip called thee, when thou wast under the fig tree, I saw thee. <laughs> All right. So Nathanael is, is kind of shocked and surprised that Jesus seems to know him. How can you know my heart? That's what he's saying. How can you know my heart? How can you know there's no guile or deceitfulness in me? How, how in the world? I've never met you. And he, he comes out and tells him, uh, Jesus answered him before that Philip called thee. When thou wast under the fig tree, I saw thee. Now this must have completely floored Nathaniel. Jesus wasn't there where the fig tree was. He wasn't around anywhere, but he says he saw him there. What's this telling us? Jesus is omniscient. He knows all. He knows everything. He knows the down in our hearts. He knows how we are. He knows our thoughts. He knows everything about us. And that's what he's proving to Nathaniel. He said, before Philip even come and got you, I saw you, and I saw you under that fig tree. Why would he be under there? Well, fig trees are great big trees, a lot of use for shade. They would plant them near houses so that they could stand under them, keep cool. Uh, a house over in that area, they didn't have central heat and air, uh, a heat pump or anything like that. And so in the summertime, it was blazing hot. Uh, they would cook in there using fire. You didn't want to stay in the house very much. So they had these fig trees, and they could stand under them. They're big, great old big things, lots of shade, and you can kind of be in privacy there. Perhaps he was under there cooling off in the day, and he was praying, meditating, reading the scripture. Whatever he was doing, the Lord knew about it, knew his heart, and understood this is an Israelite in whom there is no guile. He's on the up and up. And so I'm sure that this really was a shock to Nathaniel to know that this man was omniscient. He knows his heart and never have even met him. And that's what it took for Nathaniel to positively understand there is something good that come out of Nazareth. And he is. He, he knows exactly who he is because we see it in the next verse, 49. Nathaniel answered and said unto him, Rabbi, thou art the Son of God. Thou art the King of Israel. His eyes have been opened. 
exactly as Philip had told him, we have found the one Moses and the law and the prophets has told us about. And so you can almost see in your mind's eye Nathaniel hitting the ground on his knees in front of the Lord Jesus and saying, you are the son of God, the king of Israel. Why would he call him that? Well, he identified him as the Messiah. That's why he called him that. Um, the son of God, meaning he's the Messiah. Or the king of Israel, meaning the one who would sit on the throne of David. That all points to the Messiah. And we know that the Bible tells us what is in Psalms chapter 2, when the Lord uh, uh, looks down and, and he laughs, and uh, the earth is his footstool, and, and he, he makes his son uh, the one over everything. And so we know the Son of God is the one that's prophesied to be the one that's going to be sent to save them from their sin, uh, the Messiah. And so Nathaniel completely believes right here. He's not going to be the one that questions Jesus there in John chapter 14 and says, if you show us the Father, it suffices us. No, it's not him. It's, it's Philip. Nathaniel believes it with all his heart. Look at verse 50. Jesus said unto him, Because I said unto thee, I saw thee under the fig tree, believest thou? Thou shalt see greater things than these. Now, I don't believe Jesus is really rebuking Nathaniel for his faith. He's more or less asking him, okay, so the man who said nothing good could come out of Nazareth now believes in me simply because I know your heart. That's basically what he's saying. I saw you in your secret place beneath the fig tree and know that there's no guile. Is that why? And so Jesus is quick, though, to ensure Nathaniel that he will witness even greater things than this. I know that's great that I know your heart. I'm omniscient. I understand all things, but you're going to find and see even greater things. And then he goes into detail about what it is. Verse 51. And he saith unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Hereafter you shall see heaven open, and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. All right. Now, where do you remember angels ascending and descending uh, in the Bible? Again, we go back to the deceiver, Jacob. Remember, he's laying there, and uh, he sees a ladder. He has a, a vision of a ladder that comes down. And the Bible tells us this, Genesis 28 and 10. And Jacob went out from Beersheba and went toward Haran. And he lighted upon a certain place and tarried there all night because the sun was set. And he took the stones of that place and put them for his pillows and laid down in that place to sleep. And he dreamed, and behold, a ladder set up on the earth, and the top of it reached to heaven. And behold, the angels of God ascending and descending on it. So Jacob saw angels of God ascending and descending on that ladder. This ladder represents God's connection to man on earth. You, you see it? This ladder is a, a symbol or a sign uh, that God we're connected to God uh, th uh, that way. And, of course, the angels represent God's messengers, the ones that are ascending and descending. They're the ones that go around God's throne. And so it's connection between earth and heaven. And Jacob saw that. So Jesus is telling Nathaniel... He's going to see angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. The Son of Man. Now, the Son of Man, of course, is referring, he's referring to himself. I believe he refers to himself like that, I don't remember how many, uh, 80 times in the Bible or something he's referred to, the Son of Man. Um, 
but the Son of Man is now the connection between God and man. You see that? Uh, Jacob saw a ladder with angels on it, and there we see a connection. Yes, there's God up there. We're connected to him. Uh, we can't get there to him, but we have one, Jesus, who connects us now. The angels des- descending and ascending, ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. And so that connects man with God through Christ Jesus. And that is the only way that we will ever get to God. You will not get to heaven any other way. You're not going to build a ladder to get there. Uh, I bought a ladder a while back. It's called the Little Giant. And it folds down into something about this tall and about this wide. But I can unfold it, and that thing will reach 22 feet up in the air. They're not going to make a little giant to reach heaven. <laughs> so there's only one way that you'll ever see heaven, and that's through the Son of Man, who is the Lord Jesus Christ. Why is he Son of Man? Because he connects with us through him. We are the connection. And he is our mediator, by the way. The Bible tells us he sits on the right hand of God and makes intercession for us. And so uh, he's our connection to God. He's our ladder up to heaven. And uh, that uh, that really that ends this chapter of the Gospel of John. Uh, it started out with John stating this in John chapter 1, verse 1. John said, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The Word, as we understand from the Bible, is referring to the Lord Jesus Christ. He's the Word. And so the chapter begins telling us the Word was God, And this chapter ends proving that the Word is the Son of God and the Son of Man. So really, the Gospel of John, it sets out to show us who Jesus is. That's the purpose of the Gospel of John, to show us who Jesus is. Over in uh, John's epistles, I believe it's 1 John, uh, I believe it's 1 John, he even tells us the purpose he's writing that one is so that we may know him and believe. And so... uh, (laughs) This chapter ends this proving the Word is the Son of God and the Son of Man. And without, without a doubt, we now have, what, six people that we definitely know that the Lord is called to be his disciples. All six of them understand exactly who he is, and they're going to follow him. Now, we're going to see throughout the Word of God that there's times it looks like that first calling, they may have went back to work, and then he called again, uh, second calling, but... Despite the fact, uh, when he called them, they're prepared, they're ready to go and just leave everything behind and follow him. And so the next time, Lord willing, we'll start there in chapter 2, and we'll be reading about that place of Cana, because the Lord Jesus goes there, and there's a wedding taking place. And we all know what happens. I believe it's the first uh, miracle mentioned in the Gospel of John that Jesus performs. And so uh, we'll, we'll talk about that next time, Lord willing. And uh, I tell you, it's exciting stuff when you start reading in the Bible and see all these things. And um, these uh, these disciples, they're so interesting to, to examine and to try to find out about their lives. And, you know, there's not a lot said about a lot of them. I mean, how many people, you know, how many people's heard anything else about Matthias after the calling of him? Uh, nothing. What about the Simon Zealots and... Uh, James, son of Alphaeus and stuff. I mean, you don't really hear anything about him except in the list of the 12. 
And so it's always interesting to me to understand more and more and more about what the Lord's showing us in his word. I mean, that's why he gave us his word, so that we'd read it and understand it. It's not to be neglected and, and uh, to collect dust on the shelf. That's not what it's for. And so, uh, anyway, we'll get back there in chapter 2 next time, Lord willing, and let's go ahead and pray. Heavenly Father, God, we thank you so much for the message today. I pray it's been helpful. Lord, thank you so much for blessing us with your holy word, God, so that we can get a better understanding about you. And Lord, we just uh, pray that you keep helping us here at Porchlight. Lord, that you'll guide us in the right direction of what we need to do. And Lord, that will always be a, a blessing to you. And thank you so much for everything you've done for us. And these things we ask in the name of Jesus. And amen. All right. Well, are all hearts and minds clear? It's raining out there, so good Lord willing, the creek don't rise. We'll meet back here next uh, next time, and uh, we'll see you then.